on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Orient Hour on Phoenix 98 FM on this Valentine's Day. And at the moment, there's plenty of love for the Orient. So I'm Trevor Singfield. In the studio with me tonight is Karen Harrison. How are you, Karen? I'm good, Trev. Thank you. Hello, yeah. everybody. Happy Valentine's evening. Especially for the O's. And um, buttons tonight and everything else. And also adding to our conversation is Grant Conway. Hello, Grant. Good evening, everybody. Apologies in advance if there are any technical difficulties. What a great time to be an Orient fan. Can you believe we're eighth in the league? 12 goals in the last two home games. It doesn't get any better than this. That was a press properly, uh, Grant. Anyway, so we'll be looking back at the last two games, which both had some very, very late drama, good and bad. We hear from Richie. We'll hear Matt with his Ropers rant. We'll have Dulcet Dave Tones in Victor's View. And we also have a very nice interview with Brandon Cooper tonight. So um, first things first, we are going to listen to Richie Wellens and what he had to say after last night's game. Hopefully the buttons are going well. There we go. Nothing's coming on at Richie, moment. thanks for joining us. Congratulations. It was a special night at Brisbane Road. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry, Dave, he's not plugged the, <laughs> not plugged the mic in. Um, look, I mean, look at this, I feel, I feel embarrassed holding this. Um, brilliant night, brilliant night, brilliant performance. Um, full of young, talented players, exciting, speed, energy. Um, and if we wouldn't have won that game, it would have been an absolute a travesty because, I mean, they're a threat when you get in the final third, they're a, they're a threat, but we, we, we dominated the game. I don't know how much possession. We had, I think we had 19 shots. I don't know how many on target, a lot. And they've had three shots on target and everyone went in. So a little bit disappointed with the goals we give away. But um, I think it speaks volume, the atmosphere at the end when uh, the crowd stayed. And um, just said to Sully, I, I love Sully as a sub. I know he doesn't like it, but he reminds me of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer when he comes on. He just, I don't know, he's got this feeling where he's watching the game and he, and he smells out areas and he's... He's just a brilliant sub. I know he doesn't want to be a play sub, but obviously he had a, he had a niggle today. But, um, yeah, brilliant performance. And like I say, we need to win, and, and it just gives us a, a bit of a squeak of, of an opportunity. Ollie O'Neill was named the man of the match, and he was outstanding, wasn't he? 
br- brilliant. Um, I think the f- we spoke to I spoke to an idol before the game, and the, f- the, the front three are a total. I think Shat started 15 or 16 league games, 19 years old. Keon's making his debut, 20 years old. And Ole O'Neill is 21, making his uh, second start. And we're starting with a front three, and at times we, they ran them ragged. Energy, speed, skill. Really clever, sometimes inside in pockets, sometimes outside. Our rotations were fantastic. Um, and like I said, we, we started the game, we sent our full-backs on. Dominated the game, then they changed a little bit. We changed, we dominated the game again. And to be fair, they, they changed with Diamond, which a Diamond could be a real threat if you start playing to them. But we just kept switching the ball with the full-backs. And like I say, it was a really exciting uh, exciting win. And after the late disappointment of the weekend and uh, with Northampton refusing to give up and keep coming back, it was a test of character, wasn't it? Well, we've played in Northampton a lot of times and not one not one game has been, has been easy. I think we're dominant tonight, I really do. Um, we was dominant at their place, but we had ten men, and we just kept getting the ball to, to Jordan Graham, and he caused a lot of problems. We should have won the game, um, but that was only because they had ten men. They beat us in and around Christmas time in the League Two season, and they drew here nil nil, which was a great point for them because they had ten men again. Um, and then two years late, two years, two years ago, they beat us here when they was going for the, for the playoffs. So um, listen, John's. I think their team is a symbol of their manager, you know, energy at you, um, never gives up. So we never expect him to give up. And, you know, at the end, they'll probably be gutted that he's so like, like, like us on Saturday. Um, when you can see that, that late on, then it can always be difficult. But I, I do think you're going to see a lot of late goals in the next two or three weeks because players are absolutely knackered um, and players switch off. And it was a great touch by Brandon, a great finish by Sully. You were disappointed when the man of the goals were conceded at Barnes in the game tonight. Well, one, the man, listen, TJ's injured and we want to bring him off. Probably, I think it was about 42, 42 minutes, 30 seconds. But we're just trying to get through to half time so he doesn't impact that we can make sub later on in the game. He wanted to see how it was, but we don't want to take any risks. The ball lands to TJ and he's just not quite capable of clearing it. And we just didn't get to the ball. We allow a, a good footballer in Leonard to come inside the pitch when we don't want him to come inside the pitch. Um, and, it, and it deflects in. So um, I think the manner, the manner of the goals, it just like came out of nothing, if, if, if you know what I mean. So, um, but like I say, when you when you give players time and space, disappointed with a third one, their third one because we drop too deep, and when you drop too deep, you allow strong physical players to pin you, and when they pin you, nobody in front of you can help you because you're too deep. The gaps, are, the gaps are too big. So disappointed with the goals, but. Sometimes when you're actually open and you're expansive and you're going for them goals, you can get you can get caught. How significant is Tom James's injury? It's a tight groin. So what we didn't want it to become is more significant. So at the moment we'll just we'll just test him. Um, obviously the the injury record is is staggering at the moment. It really is, but it probably makes the win even more sweeter. Can we go through those injuries? Let's start with Dan Happy. Yeah, Dan Happ has, has done his hamstring. He's going to be roughly about eight to ten weeks. Theo Archibald? Uh, Theo's not a good one. That's not a good one. I don't want to speculate on how long, but it's going to be a, a hell of a long time. And that's his knee? Yeah, it's his knee. So, like I say, I'm not an expert in these, but he hasn't got a cruciate, so he's going to need to have an operation to put one in. So, so I don't want to... Like, you're looking at nine months plus. Wow. Max Sanders? Hopefully Max will be... Tra- he's out running at the moment. So hopefully, if he doesn't make the Burton game, which I think is a little bit doubtful, then um, 
then he will probably make the Oxford game. Dan Ajay and Jordan Graham, how are they rec uh, recovering? Yeah, I mean, Dan's progressing well, um, but again, if we if we get them to the either, either of them for the last three or four games in the season, it would be a massive bonus. One one thing we won't do is we won't we won't um, we won't risk him if there's, if there's no if there's no need to risk. Again, you look at uh, Theo's injury; it's just a, a, a giant of the knee. Jordan Graham, he just no one near him falls over. The muscular injuries. I don't know, this is the most we've picked up a, a muscular injury and we have a brilliant physio department. And the only thing that I can think of is we train on this, we, we play on this pitch, which is firm, and it's a nice pitch, beautiful pitch. But then we train at Chigwell, which is soft and soggy. And then before the before the Barnsley game, we, we train at Sheffield United's training ground and everywhere's waterlogged. So we can only train, train AstroTurf. So the difference in load that the legs are taking can have an impact on your, on your muscles. So we're putting it down to that. I mean, it's just potluck. Joe Piggott? Piggott's got a little niggle. He should be five, maybe out for seven days. So he'll miss... He'll miss Burton. should be back for, for Oxford. But the youngsters did very, very well. I mean, it's the first chance to see the two new lads. Yeah, I, again, part of my team talk was before the game. They've got the best job in the world. And sometimes you take this brilliant job that they've got for granted and um, you know I'm not saying that Jordan Graham or Phil have took these or Dan App have taken the job for granted but it can be taken away from you at any moment with a, with a bad injury so go out there enjoy it um, energy speed skill express yourself and I thought the young players done that another home game coming up Burton Albion recently changed their manager yeah and they've not had a game tonight because it's postponed so we'll have to freshen up and we'll probably be playing against a team that is a little bit fresher than us. But if we move the ball around and we're smart, you can still play well when, you, when, you, when you're running out of legs. And I thought we'd done that at times today. I thought our last 20 minutes, we, we never put the ball at risk. But they're going to have a few attacks. But we never put the ball at risk. We switched the ball. And it's easy to say it was coming because we scored it, but it's never, it's never like that. Um, I always got the feeling that there was going to be one more chance, one more chance. So... Um, I, just, I thought it was just a brilliant performance, not only by the players, but I thought the crowd were brilliant as well for a Tuesday night. They really were. It was a fantastic atmosphere, wasn't it? Brilliant. At the end, again, that was similar to when we were going for the league title last year and, and not relief, but the joy on people's faces. This is what we're in. This is why we do this job. It's obviously we want the pride, the pride and, and, that, and that, uh, that feeling of winning and that determination to, to do your very best week in, week out. But ultimately, it's about putting on a a product on the pitch that the supporters want to come and want to and want to enjoy the football and I think tonight is probably for me that's one of the best nights we've had um, I know we've beaten bigger clubs you, you, your Bolton's, your Portsmouth your Charlton here on, on Boxing Day but the way the game if we don't if we would have not won that game yeah I'd have probably done something to you in this interview Dave with that microphone no doubt yeah, with a lead yeah no, we, Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant night for everyone. Great, great atmosphere. Thank you, Richie. Right, well done. No Thank right, you. Right, Thank you. There we go. There is uh, Richie Wellens for you. Um, what do we take out of that? Well, straight away, you uh, you could tell in his voice the the sheer disappointment when he he told us the the extent of the uh, injury or surgery that Theo has got to have. So um, as it's Valentine's Day, we, we can't not let this go and wish Theodore Valentine, Archibald, a, a very swift recovery. But let's talk about the injuries and, and how they're, they're adding up. 
and the, the lack of cover that we may have coming forward before we go on to Barnsley. I mean, Karen, it's getting longer and longer, this list, isn't it? Sadly, yeah. It's, uh, hopefully, it's, well, he's given us a timeline for quite a few of them there. So, And then you've got the odd knock that players are picking up as well. So it was nice to see um, Sotiriu come on off the bench, though, yesterday, because I thought in his pre-match he did say that... Um, Rule had a bit of a knock, and I didn't think he was likely. To, uh, you know, I was quite surprised to see him on the bench, if I'm honest. So the impression I got from that was that Rule might have been out, but thankfully he wasn't. But that might give you the nice little hint of it. I, I think you'll find it's actually easier getting uh, information out of the, the old Eastern block than getting out of Orient injury list, to be honest, if you know what I mean. Uh, Grant and y yourself. You could say that, you're about getting the information out. It's like. But sometimes you don't want the opposition to know what injuries you've got. You want them to think that the players might be playing. So I think there's a bit of a catch-22 in that yes, case. Yes, I so agree. I mean, it's just that there's been a lot of It's becoming a little bit of a catalogue now and we could almost have a ward in whips cross for the amount of injuries we've got, um, which is really sad. I mean, the, we're doing so well and I just hope it doesn't sort of take the wind out of our sails um, going forward for the rest of the season. But the, the, the squad's got such a strong sense of unity amongst them, etc. And... Um, you know, dig in in the trenches, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the two young lads coming in, they'll have a part to play. Joe Piggott's got a part to play as well. Um, it's great to see Rule break into double figures last night. Um, so um, I still, I'm still remain positive, but it's going to be difficult. We've got three major players out: Theo, uh, Graham, and Ajay are all out, and I mean they are three major players within the squad. So it's it's a huge. Happy's had a great season so far as well. He's been one of them sort of like the forgotten man at the back there because it's because he's just get, got on with his job. People just don't, you know, it, when he makes a ricket, that's when you remember he's on the pitch. So yeah. Exactly that. And so it, it was bad news for Dan Hap, who going on to the Barnsley game, was uh, he was substituted. He went down and straight away um, Cooper was sent to warm up as quick as possible and 14 minutes, Dan Hat was off for Cooper come on. Uh, at that time, Orient were actually winning 1-0. Um, Satorio scored a great move of um, Monker bursting into the box. And I thought the brave header by uh, O'Neill was fantastic in the build-up to the game. So, yeah, we, we went up to uh, Barnsley. Karen was there, myself. Um, nice, a nice, a nicer trip for myself because we were a bit earlier. But um, there was the, the usual pantomime on the trains of Karen and co., but um, my first thoughts after my first visit to Barnsley since the 14 season, there's uh, there's been a great amount of money spent up there, and it, it's, it's quite um, appealing when you come out the station and in, in close into the town centre. It's one of the nice football grounds that you can walk to from the pubs or if you've been to the cafe or something before the game. So um, if they don't go up or we don't go up, then uh, I highly recommend going to Barnsley. Allegedly, there's about 40 bars in and around the area, which it was... A completely, as I 
different to the last time I went. A lot of money's been spent, but overall, your thoughts on the game, Karen? Well, I say good game, good first half. Um, the last, I'd like to write off the last seven or eight minutes. <laughs> but it was, um, yeah, like you say, that uh, O'Neill, I thought, put his head on the line for that for our goal. It was like, I thought he was going to get a kick in the head. And I thought, oh, hang on a minute. We're, you know, we're attacking here. Please don't go down. And then, because then we got the goal. So it was like, happy On Denny, you could easily pull for dangerous kicking. Yeah, just that, you know, but... Um, yeah, like you say, I would really enjoyed the day out. I thought the pub that we went to before the game was excellent. Really liked the walk up to the stadium. It was like very old school, wasn't it? It was like, you know, walking down the old terrace houses, the roads in between, and all the fans all coming in from all different directions. Reminded me of one of your mate Payne's paintings. Well, it, was a cruel, it was a cruel way to lose for the O's. We can all agree on that. But looking at the stats, they don't really lie because I think Barnsley... Without the the one man show, the Sol Brim would have been out of sight. I mean, they had 23 shots to our seven, 11 on target to our five. They completed 466 passes to our 299. That's according to the Sky things. I mean, he got Sol Brim got the player of the um, player of the day for League One, but he also got it for the whole of the EFL because they do one, don't they, for Championship League One and League Two separately. And then they do one that sort of overarches all of them. And he won it for the one for the one that overarches all of them. So his stats obviously must have been good there to... We all seen a mistake and he he'd probably sit and run that one for his head uh, quite a few times. No. Well, he's, he's a young keeper, which brings me on to how much have we missed Vigor Grant, do you think? Because he's a 21-year-old keeper. He, he sort of nearly equaled a, a clean sheet record. And he's... he's playing in the league higher, and I, I think he's probably six or seven years younger than Vigor. I mean, nobody's sort of saying, oh, we miss Viggs, we miss Viggs anymore, do we? What do you think? I think that um, people still remember him and would treasure the fact of what we had for, for, for LV for all those years, but Solbrin is now starting to take over in popularity. You know, football's a fickle game. Um, Solbrin has grown into the role over the season in my view I think he's coming for crosses better now yes he made a mistake at Barnsley I think if he'd have stayed back uh, that goal wouldn't have occurred that's, that's really unlucky because he had a fantastic game his shot stopping is phenomenal if anything not wishing to be too controversial I would say it's almost could be better than, than Vigarou's um, but Vigarou's command of the box and communication for me is still a little bit better but Sol's a young keeper and I think that will come over the coming years communication because like you know where we sort of stand behind the goal you don't see him shouting too much at the others and you know trying to direct the game, not that you can direct it that much, but you know what I mean, and I just think, yeah, the communication thing I think could be slightly improved, but like I say, it's a young keeper who's learning all the time, and uh, yeah, never fall in love with a lone player, isn't it? That's the truth saying, I mean, then obviously the, the late drama come, I mean, he's made the mistake, and how often you watch the full match, they were in the ascendancy, with the ten men, we, we were deep, and you have to say that the free kick the guy put in, I know M. Arkin was poor, but it, it, the cross made the goal and it made it very easy. So it was euphoria for the Barnsley fans, complete disappointment for us travelling fans back to uh, E10. But, you know, if we're totally honest, you'd have probably thought a point at Barnsley would have been fantastic any time this season. It was a, it was a sad way to, to end the run, but it, it did end up being 
one game too far for the O's, in my opinion, considering the scalps we took along the way. Yeah, manager of the month. But I think we we when he won the other one, we won the next game, didn't we? So um, I think we we can sort of hold back for that. But there we go. That that's sort of our, our bars. We won't dwell on that one, will we? You know what I mean? We 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 go again, as they say, and footballer talk. Anyway, earlier today, uh, a couple of the Orient our younger members, sort of what we do here. Um, Jaden Christie and Alex Stripe, they uh, they had a chat with Brandon Cooper. So this was done by Zoom, so please apologise if there's anything that interference on there. So we are joined by Brandon Cooper on the Orient Hour. And I guess we've got to start with last night's dramatic win over Northampton Town, a 4-3 thrilling result. Um, Brandon, just sum up your feelings and emotions first on that game. And obviously, the deciding moment, you did play your part in with an assist as well. Yeah, I think you just used the word thrilling. Um, I think that was it, to say the least. And to get over the line late on like we did, um, I think we did more than enough to win the game. So, yeah, to to get the the touch over the top for Sully and put him in for the for the winner yeah it was amazing and just yeah glad to get the three three points and it was a it was a great atmosphere in there last night as well which uh, made it even better lovely well nice to meet you Brandon Alex here um, might as well crack on with a few more questions um, so kind of looking back at the season and um, personally your your initial loan spell how did you how did you find that first spell before signing permanently? Um, I think I think it was a, a tough moment when I came in and the team was getting used to the league um, when I first when I first came here. And then we picked up a good, good run good run of games, took a few wins. And the team was starting to come together a bit and obviously playing in different formations and stuff. Um and to be honest, I've really enjoyed my whole time here. We've been through different spells and the team's changed at different times through injury and stuff. Um, but yeah, just getting getting used to playing with a different team, playing a um, a new stadium, new environment, and um, I think like everyone knows, I, I love playing here, and that's why that's why I decided to come back and sign the appointment. Well, that kind of leads us nicely onto the next question. Obviously, after the loan spell, you've now rejoined permanently in January. Um, what, what were the factors that sort of made that decision, and sort of when did you know that was in the pipeline? Um, I think the club made it clear to me that they wanted to keep me in what um, whatever capacity that was for the rest of the season and going forward. Um, and it felt right for me to to do it permanently. Um, I, I I loved playing here, like you said, in that first first half of the season. Um, over the last the last few years at Swansea, I was always trying to get somewhere where I could play consistently. And I'd been out on a few loans. Um, and done well when I'd been out on loan, but was never really getting a chance at Swansea. So I. I wanted somewhere which felt like home, and um, and I was tr and I was trusted and and, and valued, and I, and I felt that here. Um, I've, I've loved it. I love the way the club's run, all the way from Nigel down to down to everyone. So um, yeah, it just it just made sense. There's so, there's so many good things about the club, um, and as you've seen, the results have been going going well, and we've got a really good group here. And if we can keep pushing on um, and keep winning games. That's that's what we're here for, really. So yeah, just 
thoroughly enjoyed it and just want to want to keep progressing and leave really leave the shirt in a better place than when I kind of picked it up kind of thing you know lovely so um as you just touched on there about the results recently being very good um I just kind of wondered you might might not have much of a say in this but um correct me if I'm wrong I believe Omar Beckles is naturally left-footed how come you play left side of centre-back and Beckles on the right essentially like both playing on your weaker side if that makes sense is that like a tactical thing or like a personal preference thing I was just curious to know I think I think I'm I'm comfortable playing on the left I've played I've played a lot on the left um in my, in my career um and I think it's just the way they, they see the team um actually even when you see like Rob Rob Hunt coming on at left back he's right foot right footed um TJ right footed can play left back um I think I think that's another good thing about our team we've got a lot of um versatile players and and talented players that can play um in different positions like I'm comfy of playing in the back three across all three and playing both sides centre half um and I think that's a good thing in our team that it's it's like that because like you would know there's certain players in in certain teams that can only play one position left back and that is it and no one else or just just um just a hold of midfield and nowhere else so it doesn't really give you that flexibility um and I think you you see that throughout the season especially with the, the like the injury um problems we've had as well having that really helps you know this is something I've always been quite curious about. Obviously, like for yourself as a young player, moving away from your hometown, Swansea, I guess probably where you've lived your whole life and grown up. Um, how is it finding that sort of relocation in terms of something you'll experience throughout your football career? How is that sort of going for you at the minute? Um, it's good. I'm I'm loving it here. Um, I've I've obviously I've been on loans and stuff before, so I know what it's like to live away um, away from home. So it's not like a, a first time. It's not the first time I've moved away. Um, it can be challenging, obviously, because you, you you're moving away from family and friends and stuff. Um, but I'm actually I'm like like I said, there's so many things about this club that I really like being here. Um, it's there's there's a, there's a lot to do in London. It's not hard for me to to actually get home. It's not that far. It's not like I'm playing abroad or, or stuff like that, you know. Um, but so yeah, I'm actually I'm thoroughly enjoying it and I, and I like the area. So yeah, um, yeah, well, it wasn't a hard decision really. Nice. So just kind of touching back on your time at Swansea and kind of compared to now at Orient with um, now you're contracted to club after the loan spell. So kind of how how does it feel to kind of maybe like not be potentially worrying about um, going out on loan or being put out on loan or um, kind of like when it's up in the air, maybe at the end of the season, whether you're going to get a new deal. Um, is that a a worry that's kind of vanished now since you signed permanently at Orient, or do you think that's kind yeah. of like part of the game? I think I think it was more the um, I felt valued being here um, and an, like an integral part of the, of the team and doing well and and always feeling like I could like contribute to to the team and and my experience and I always adding to the group. Whereas I didn't really have that as Swansea. I was going out on loan or not really having a chance to play and. I've I've been there. For, I was there for so long that I just wanted to play football. Um, and didn't really get that chance. So I that's why I went out on so many loans because I was always trying to 
to get um, to get playing. And I, I was successful on on all my loans. I played on every single one. Um, but now to have a place where I'm trusted and I've got that that value in me, it, it, it's it's the it's the best thing for me at the moment. And I guess this is something that a lot of footballers are asked at every level. Kind of, do you have any sort of pre-match um, routines or superstitions? And also, do you have family members and friends that come and follow you around the country watching you play every week? Um, I, I don't think I've got any superstitions. Um, um, yeah, I don't think I've got any superstitions like certain things. I do definitely. Um, kind of do whatever feels right, to be honest. At the time, um, in terms of support, I've got um, an amazing family. They come to watch me. Um, every game pretty much my mum and dad come to watch every single game um, home away they're always there you probably see me like looking out and waving for them if I, if I can see them in the crowd that is I'm always trying to look for them um, they're there my my sister and uh, her partner come to watch with my, with my niece quite a bit as well and yeah um, you see the old Welsh flag in the crowd as well that's my mate in an away end here okay. and there so um, yeah so I've got I've got good following from back home Um Got great family and friends, and uh, yeah, I really appreciate them coming in, and just gives me that extra bit of um, strength. Love it. That's that's uh, really nice to hear. Um, just quickly moving on to a question sent in by the list, one of the listeners, uh, Karen Harrison. Um, she asked, "Who from our current squad are you most comfortable with?" And I think that kind of means more maybe like on the pitch, like playing next to in like a centre back partnership, or kind of who you're comfortable with, like just around training and wherever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm like, like I said to you, I'm comfortable with a lot of our group because it's a very versatile group and I think that helps massively. Um, knowing that you can you can kind of change between positions and be next to someone different, maybe one game being next to, to Haps and then the next game being next to Bex, but then a different fullback. Now we've seen Galbraith coming in at right back and doing really well there. And being able to move from midfield to right back and the TJ and and Huntley moving it, I feel comfortable around um, a lot of the boys and obviously ma- massively comfortable with um, with Soul and Goal behind us. He's a great player um, and and off the pitch we get on really well. Uh, love our little coffee dates that we go on and uh, yeah, just great lad, mate. Um, yeah, so just good good group, real good group, and yeah, get on with everyone. So with a week like this week where you played obviously in Barnsley Saturday, you played Tuesday night last night, uh, Burton at home on Saturday coming up, so a lot of football. What sort of is the training structure and your sort of week look like as a as a footballer in this kind of environment at the minute? So, um, yeah, the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday um, is obviously difficult with the amount of games turn around. And the, and the main thing in between is just getting recovered as, as well as you possibly can. So, what that looks like for me is just sleeping as much as I can, eating as much food as I possibly can. Um, I've literally just been, we've just been to the cryotherapy um, place. So little things like that can help along the way. Um, and then it's just trying to take on the information that you can, obviously, in between for the games coming so so fast um, of what you're potentially going to come up against and what we're going to try and do quickly and what we've done well or not so well in the last game. And yeah, just trying to, get everything dialed in as quick as you can and being quite clear and, and precise. Um yeah, that gives you the best chance. But the main thing's recovery because it is it's also it's a, a lot tighter schedule three games and like in the in the seven days or whatever. It just it, yeah. That's that's the hardest thing. Was you in training today or did uh, Gaffer give you the day off after last night's win? 
No, we were, we were in there today, but it was, like I said, recovery and cryotherapy and stuff. And some boys didn't play as much out training, getting getting what they need in. So, yeah, it's, it's well it's well thought out. And um, and everyone's trying to do as much as they possibly can to get themselves ready for the, for the next game. Always, it's, it's always, that's what you're thinking of in football, the next one and trying to get, get ready for it. Sounds good. I ull just uh, ask another listener question for you. This is sent in by Paul Levy. And um, it's quite a nice one. This. It's like, uh, what player did you look up to as a youngster? Um, growing, growing up at Swansea, um, I always used to watch Ashley Williams, always. Um, every, every Saturday, obviously, from the age of 10, um, I used to just go and watch the first team play. And... Um, and and it just to try and try and watch how we played the game and, and try to do do things that he used to do. Um, then when I'd go play the next week or whatever. So at Swansea, it was it was um, Ashley Williams because captain of Wales and everything. It, it was just a natural thing to watch him, and I was lucky enough to to get to watch him and an amazing Swansea team at the time in the Premier League. So um, yeah, that he was probably my like I say my idol growing up and trying to trying to learn off and copy. We got another question from Darren Burrows. He says, "Do you think that moving to London uh, to London is a factor in sort of signing from areas that obviously aren't nearby? Is that a pulling power for a club like Orient that they may have over some other clubs in the division? The fact that it is London and that obviously that big city environment." Yeah, definitely. I think um, yeah, for, for for loads of different reasons as well. Um, I think there's there's a lot to do. So. Um, if you, if you want to be be out and go and doing stuff, there's a there's a lot to do. You're not going to get bored in um, in places. I think it's easy for easier easier for family and friends to come see you because of the transport and stuff. Um, like for me, it's a lot easier for my family to come watch the games, even though they do come to watch them all. Um, like it's easy for them to get here on the train and stuff. Um, I know I know when boys go home, going home on the train and stuff is easy. Um, there, yeah, there's lots of factors. Obviously, there's 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 loads of clubs in and around here as well and I think that's why people like like playing in London as well um, and I've loved it so um, I'm only going to speak good good words about it so um, yeah obviously if it's a if it's a factor then amazing that's that's uh, quality to hear um, just another listener question here uh, from sent in by Gary Watt and it's kind of kind of touching it a little bit earlier but um, it's more I think of a precise answer and um well, that's what he wants is who do you who do you find playing against um hold on, hold on. how do you find oh here we go how do you find playing alongside omar beckles and dan hat um very very good both both different players um obviously dan out and out left footed um tends to play on the left more um and beck's able to play across across anywhere um but I think the they're both both very good players. Um, they're solid. Um, Beck's got good experience and is a good talker. Um, so I like playing with Bex and, and I like playing with Haps again. I think we've got a good good relationship. Um, us three, whether that's us all three playing at the same time or playing as a two. Um, and like I said, the the ability to change between us helps, and we try and learn a lot together as a group so whoever whoever's the one that steps in on the day can do can do the best job they possibly can and I think that's the best kind of 
environment you can have um, where everyone is trusted and if someone is put in um, in whatever way that is, if it's two, three, um, or the combination is whatever it is, I think that's the best way we can be. And then finally, to sort of wrap things up, what are your thoughts on the club and then where do you hope to see the club at the end of your time here at Orient? Um, I, I love the club. Um, like I said, from the, from the top down, I think it's it's run very well. Um, I love I love playing. I love playing at home. I love um, how the fans travel in numbers when we play away. Um, there's a lot a lot of positives. Like I've said many times in, in interviews and stuff since signing. Um, and in terms of the ambition of the club, I think we've got a good good group and. My my ambition would be to try and keep as much of us um, together and and see and see where we can go because we're doing we're doing well. Um, I don't don't think about like getting too far ahead of yourself or looking too far because you need to you need to do the day to day and and keep trying to get better. And at the moment we've got a good group, so if we can keep keep as much of that together and a, and a good good core and keep that mentality going, I think you know we can only like I said earlier. I've always thought, whenever whenever I've gone into a place, I've always wanted to. Whenever I get the shirt or the jersey for the club, when it's your time to move on, because it's always going to be a time to move on, can you leave it in a better place than you, than you picked it up? Um, and if it, and if if we can do that, if we all kind of work to that kind of, that's what we're going to do. I'm sure, I'm sure the the club will be in a you know in a better place than when, when you pick up the shirt, and and, that, and that's the aim all the time. I think that's a really great message to end it on. Thank you very much to Brandon Cooper for joining us at the Orient Hour and back to you in the studio. I'll stop recording now as well. Well, there you have it. That is uh, a really nice interview with uh, Brandon Cooper and, and many thanks to uh, Jaden and Alex for giving their time up and doing that. And uh, I think it come across very well. Well done, chaps. It was a very good listen. Anyway, taken from that, uh, Brandon himself, he, he put the ball through for the, the winning goal last night and he sent Brisbane Road into raptures. Um, yes, so uh, what do we think of last night's uh, proceedings? Do you want to go first, Karen? Oh, I don't know. I think I'm just coming down from it, to be honest. You know, and what, what a great all-round performance. You know, from, I think... I would say all of them. You know, I mean, they, there were some players that made a few rickets, but at the same time, I don't want to dig them out, so I won't do that by name. But at the same time, I thought, yeah, what a great game. It was definitely uh, end to, well, not end to end, but, you know, um, you know, we scored, they scored, we scored, they scored. It was a bit of a yo-yo, wasn't it? But who cares? We scored the last one and it was the winning one and what a great goal it was. Yeah, well, we, we made some changes. Yeah, we, we made some changes. Bryn started in goal. Galbraith, Beckles, Cooper, James were at the back. Brown, El Mazzuni midfield, uh, sort of in front of. And then you had Fall, Moncur and O'Neill. And the young lad, I think it said Kayon Edwards up front. So um, what do we think of the, the young lad? I mean, it's extremely difficult to go into men's football anyway. And getting thrown your sort of senior table league one against the Giants of Northampton, I... It, it 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 was it was tough for him. I thought the first forty five minutes. Yes, it was tough, but um, he'll learn from that. It's about minutes on the pitch in the end, and he'll benefit from that. And he's got those minutes, and we've got a win under our win under our belts. I noticed some of his movement. He was moving in the same areas of the pitch, the same taking up um, space that other players were. It wasn't quite on the same uh, wavelength at certain times, but that's entirely natural. 
for a player of that age. And that is probably why um, Richie's been a little bit reluctant in putting the, the youngsters in to start with. I think it was forced on them a little bit due to the injuries last night. Uh, and thankfully, it worked out OK. And I don't think he really had any choice. But that lad will benefit from those minutes. They both will from the, from the time that they've had on the pitch now. Um, and long may that continue. Uh, but it, there's definitely potential there. Um, and let's hope that he can have uh, a significant part as um, Shaq has. Because when Shaq was playing up front um, as, a, as a nine, it was looking like well, he, he's looking a bit lost. He was getting caught offside. He didn't seem to be able to hold the ball up. And then he got moved over to the right and facing the, facing the uh, opponent's goal rather than with his back to it. He's taken on a new lease of life. And um, it may well be that one of these lads might need to change their position slightly or etc. But it really is encouraging just to see um, the talent that we've got. And obviously we do need them at the moment with, with the injuries that we've got. I was going to say, Richie often talks, doesn't he, about managing time and uh, you know, sort of minutes on the pitch and everything like that, doesn't he? So, uh, like you say, he's got those minutes in his legs now. He's uh, he knows what it's like at Brisbane Road, and that was a, that was a noisy Brisbane Road yesterday, mm. and it was uh, it was great atmosphere. Yeah, well, they wouldn't have expect experienced any noise at under twenty three level, would they? So not really, not like that. I wouldn't <laughs> have thought. So, uh, so yeah, um, good learning curve for him. Well, th so he was replaced 76 minutes by his, uh, Daniel Adu Ajay. I actually thought he had the easier task because th there was more space and the game had opened right up. And he, he sort of, pound for pound, probably looked a little bit better than uh, Kyan Edwards. But it, that, that's the sort of period of time he, he, he's come on the pitch. So it will be interesting when we've got to start one of these youngsters, whether Richie sticks with one or he sort of mixes the minutes up between them, whether one starts and unless somebody can click straight away with sort of forward or the other forwards. But if Rule remains fit, he should be the, the number nine. But what Grant just said about um, uh, forward, he, the sort of rumblings around the terraces and that, oh, we, what we got this lad for, look at that. Now he's on nine goals. And I, I thought his goal was excellently well taken last night. That could easily have gone into row Z. That was a, a great bit of skill to uh, put that in the back of the net. But As the last goal as well, Rule could easily have shinned that over the bar for, uh, as the ball dropped down. Didn't snatch it and he virtually placed it. He didn't need too much power. Um and what a great finish, as well as the he the flick header as well. He makes sometimes he makes some really difficult finishing look easy. Yes, he does miss his fair share of chances. He he, he does divide the support to an extent, but Rule Saturio does get into the positions to score goals, and he has that natural instinct to do that, in my mm -hmm. opinion. And we need that in the squad. He is one of the most natural goal scorers in the squad at the moment. I'd much rather he played for us than against us. Yeah. And I would also wish he would run as fast as he did for his goal when he said goal celebration the next time he has a one-on-one. -on -one. I've never seen the guy move so fast. Anyway, moving on from Northampton, we are now, hopefully, without too much of a, um, a problem, we're going to go into Roper's rant. They never cease to amaze you, do they? Just when I was preparing a shouty, moany piece on chucking away Leeds in South Yorkshire, then no sooner do we trump that with an absolutely astonishing evening in East London 24 hours ago. Let's face facts here. The O's bald are always after the next commercial venture. And if you could bottle the emotion running around Brisbane Road at approximately 9.55pm last night, 
market it and then sell it, you'd have a product worth as much as a Manchester City, Tesla and Amazon owner put together. Don't know about you, but ranting turned into panting as men, women and children celebrated like we won the European Cup against Borussia Mönchengladbach. What a night that will live long in the memory bank. And if as an O's fan you can't get excited about that, the position we're in, the young and exciting squad, the plans for the future and the ride we're still on, then you're either one of two things. You're not human or you're dead. Right, moving on. On Monday, I had the pleasure of attending a fans forum meeting. In attendance were the O's chairman, Nigel Travis, the newish chief operating officer, Steve Tate, and CEO Mark Devlin. I was joined by two very lovely and well-known ladies from the Late Norwich Supporters Club, my own son, who now proudly sits on the Fans Trust board, and two representatives from O's very long-running and esteemed fanzine, the Leighton Orienteer. Firstly, a quick mention to George in the media team and Robbie Minch in the SLO, who did an excellent job in setting up and organising the meeting. Well done, chaps. I'm now going to cover off some of the more important, more interesting matters discussed, and there will be a much fuller report in both the fanzine next month and via various social media pages, as well as the Fans Trust website. Training ground. It's been no secret for several months now that the club are looking to update hugely their training facilities. Following several months of research, the club have all but decided to stay where they are following consultation with the landowners, which will see us use much more of the site and have better facilities put in, as well as having certain exclusivity over that site. An updated training ground will be used by the first team, the women's team and the academy, and the club remain committed to a longer term plan to continually update and or improve this area for future years to come, that will help create a nicer workplace for teams to train and to help attract better players at all levels across the football club. It's likely the current plans will cost approximately £4 million. Brisbane Road. For a couple of years or more, the board have been talking about the possibility of a new ground. Our current home, as quaint as it is, is now 92% full to capacity every game and the scope for improving both facilities and more importantly capacity is very limited. After extensive consultation, it has been decided that it is not in any way, shape or form commercially viable to stay at Brisbane Road, and as such, the search for a new site is both ongoing, but now ramped up with the local council on board, helping to identify three to four different sites. The board are committed are committing approximately 500,000 next season to see the East Stand facilities greatly improved that will allow us to gain a safety certificate for the whole of the East Stand and therefore capacity increasing by an extra three to 500 seats and a smaller, much smaller project to see the South Stand increased capacity by around about 150 to 160 seats. This is likely to cost around about £500,000 and the board are committed to spending that money. Nigel once again reiterated that we are staying in East London. He did say that he hoped it could be very much in the same area, but that there are other e-postcodes we could move to so that the club roots and history remains in the East End. A new ground is a minimum 10-year plan and will require significant investment. The aim is for an approximately 17,000 all-seater stadium, but with scope to increase capacity yet further if the club, if the club were to become more successful. Going hand in hand with new investment, the new ground will likely involve 
new investor or investors attaching various land deals to a massive project, which would see new homes, hotels and or venues for concerts, etc., built to help aid the return of the investment on building a new stadium. The cost at the moment is approximately a cool 100 million. Yes, you just heard me right. 100 million quid. Investment. Following the club's statement on the website on Monday, and I gather there was a slight contratron when a first article talked about the possible future sale of the club, several O's fans suddenly believe that this was it. Done and dusted, and we were up for sale. This was, from my point of view, very far removed from the truth. In fact, Nigel stated the club wasn't up for sale and that he and the board are up in their own investment level next year and that the seeking of new investment was primarily for the building of a new ground and or other large-scale infrastructure projects in and around the football club. Nigel has held several private conversations with friends relating to this, but the club are now going public with a come and find us and invest message, which is attached in a bid to secure major funding for what would of course be one of the biggest decisions in club history for over 70 years. Some have already said that much of the info was already out there, but in fact, in my humble opinion, this was rumour rather than spades in the ground type stuff. And reading between the lines, certainly on major new investment and sites for a new ground, it would be my guess we are already a good six months down the line in that process that when it was last discussed, and I wouldn't mind betting that conversations over investment have possibly moved on a level with one or two certain people or organisations. But if we aren't any further down the line this time next year, then please don't shoot the messenger. The recent losses posted on the accounts were concerning, but the club have already had several plans in place under the guidance of Steve Tate, who was previously at Ipswich and Tottenham doing some fine and sterling work that will see the loss reduced by one million next year and then another million the year after. The club board remain committed to trying to be as sustainable as possible, but retaining an upwardly mobile approach to remaining competitive at both League One and hopefully Championship level if we were to get there. Ticketing and crowds. Much has been made of the empty seats at home games, despite the club declaring a ticket sold attendance close to full capacity. The club are concerned that approximately 18% of mainly season tickets are not used every home game and they are going to do a lot of work around why. It was agreed by fans reps that the exchange system is maybe not as easy to use as people think and or that the benefits are maybe not enough to entice people to use the system. Mark Devlin took on board several comments and wants to go down the route of positively understanding why tickets aren't used and or exchanged at this point rather than putting any sanctions for ticket holders not turning up. Now, as I say, there were several other bits discussed, and I will be preparing a full document and article that everyone can read, but these were the main points, and whilst it might not be as exciting as Ruel smashing one in the bottom corner in the 97th minute, there is a true sense of unbridled anticipation from this fan, and moving on from last week, when I talked about whether we were the real deal or not, then yes, I think we are. And without going too overboard, I am as excited about the future of our club as at any time in my past 46 years. A superb go-ahead board, practising openness and transparency at, every, transparency at every level, and so far delivering on every promise they make, as well as sound management and with plans going well into the 2030s. 
a management team as good as we've possibly ever had, even if the main man does have a reserved parking spot at the FA Disciplinary Commission. A young and exciting team that seemingly don't know when to give up and are maybe going to see us achieve our second highest league ranking in over 30 years. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, a fan base that grows ever closer, even noisier and ever more excitable every week, revelling in the three points above and games like last night. Are we on the charge? You better believe it, baby. Up the mighty O's. Well, there you go. Thank you, Matt, for that. Uh, not so much of a rant this week, but a, a very concise roundup of what went on Monday night and you a nice privilege for you to be there. And Karen, you were there too? I was there too, yes. And it nicely and um, precisely rounded up there by Matt. Well done, Matt. Yeah, thank you for Matt. And... Uh, don't forget, he's going to do a full write-up in Pandemonium. So if, if you don't like listening to Matt, you can always read his stuff, can't you? So um, with no further ado, it's straight back to Karen because um, I hear there's a meet the manager where you can uh, hear the famous Richie Wellens mank humour. What's going on, Karen, in the supporters club? Yep, the supporters club have managed to secure an evening with Richie on um, next Tuesday. So uh, 20th of February. So I'm trying to remember what month we're in. Yeah, 20th of February, and uh, it's between 7 and 9, doors open at 6. It's open for supporters club members only at the moment, and uh, if we, we do have a waiting list for those that are non-members. So if anyone's a member of the supporters club and wants to come along, come and see me at the game on Saturday against Burton, and I've uh, got a list, I can check you on the membership if you've lost your card, but you should use your card to get in every week, so uh, <laughs> you should know where it is. But yeah, come and see me on Saturday and I've got cards, uh, tickets available. It is a ticket-only event. Is that the only news you got or is there anything else going on? No, nope, we've got an owl night coming up on the 7th of May, which is a Thursday. Yeah, that will be doors at four. Um, that's another owl night to celebrate that we have now become East London Club of the Year 2024. So some more space needed on the wall. Yeah. So <laughs> <coughs> and uh, normal open time this weekend. Yep, normal opening time this weekend, doors at midday. Um, one last thing, if anybody is interested in the Starman end of season dinner and dance, we have very limited tickets available. Um, and then do speak to Linda on a match day. She'll be able to help you there. Well, thank you for that, Karen. Anyway, uh, just before, we, we're going to play you out Victor's View tonight in a minute because uh, we've, had, uh, we've had a lot of input from uh, recordings. But we got Burton Saturday and... Uh, I actually sent a letter to the EFL requesting that the home fixture should be played at Burton after the magnificent trip to Burton <laughs> back in October. But sadly, I didn't get a reply. But, you know, it it's, a bit, a great it's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek for us real well drinkers. Anyway, quick prediction for Saturday, Karen? 3-0 Orient. 3-0 Orient. Grant? 1-0 to Orient and no injuries, please. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go along with the goal theme. I, I, I fancy a 4-1. So um, thank you for listening. So if there's been any technical errors, um, you've been listening to Andy Gilson. But uh, apart from that, we'd like to wish you a great evening and up the O's as always. And we're now going to play you out, hopefully, with Victor's... There is nothing better than seeing your side score a last-minute winner and nothing that makes the journey home so much longer than seeing your team concede in injury time. The past few days have seen two exceptional matches and two of the most dramatic finishes that I can remember in succession. I expect...
that when it comes time to reflect on this season, one of the main aspects that will be discussed will be injuries. So many key players have been unavailable for large parts of the campaign, denying Richie Wellens the opportunity to field his strongest and a settled side. But one of the many qualities of the O's boss is his relentless drive for improvement and achievement, regardless of the circumstances. Those injuries are seen as an opportunity for younger players to prove their worth, and Molly O'Neill has definitely done that. At Barnsley, the former Fulham winger displayed enormous courage. It was his brave header that initiated the move that led to Leighton Orient's opener. On Tuesday night, we saw his pace, physical strength, creativity, vision, ambition and thrilling skills. A true man-of-the-match performance, and I expect the first of many. I am so glad that Oli is a long-term late Orient asset, a very exciting prospect. He is one of a number of exceptionally talented young players that we have in the Orient squad. Ethan Galbraith getting better with every game. The progress of these exceptional youngsters is testament to the quality of the coaching and guidance that they receive from Richie and his coaching team. Off the field, Chairman Nigel Travis shared with supporters realistic, challenging, ambitious targets that the board have set to take our club to the next level, emphasising the values that will be the foundation for the next stage of this astonishing journey. These really are special times for our club, Tutor night will never be forgotten by those fortunate enough to be at Brisbane Road. The atmosphere they generated, fantastic. Watching Lake Noyant putting on a show. We're not a city, we're not a town. We're the only one of us around. And you know where we can be found when Saturday comes again. We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the rest Whatever challenge, whatever test We'll lay an Orion from each end Lay an Orion from each end This is our club and we are proud So sing it up and sing it loud We were formed in 1881 Clancy Orion and so begun The old story and on it runs We're late and Orion from E-Ten Whatever challenge has come our way The only faithful are here to stay We will live to fight another day We're late and Orion from E-Ten like an Orient from Eton This is our club and we are proud So sing it up and sing it loud We're not a city, we're not a town We're the only one of us around So you know where we can be found when Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the vest On the hour, across Brentwood and Billericay This is Phoenix FM News